You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do. That's make more sales. Make sure you are following us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Hornets. You can find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail, Doug at Doug Branson NBA, and Nada at Nada the Scribe. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Visit LockedOnSports.com to check out all of our podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, MLB, and fantasy sports. Game one last night, amazing. JR, what the hell are you doing? George Hill, he chokes on the free throw line. The ref's going crazy. It gave me all sorts of storylines to discuss today. Amazing game one last night, and not for all the right reasons, but I don't care. I'm here for all of it. What the hell happened last night at midnight? Chaos. Just insane. Chaos. Insanity. Short Um, shorts. Short shorts started it all off, and that was fantastic. Like I I appreciate that. I'm never one to hate on any of the fashion that they pull off because I kind of wish I could pull some of the stuff off that Russell Westbrook does and LeBron James does. So I like that we got that started off real nice. And then the Cavaliers, it was it was a sick game. And then all of a sudden, you get down to five seconds left to go in the re, in the in regulation. And then if Jr. and then Jr. Smith fights for the rebound, does a good job. KD does kind of embarrasses himself again. He's been soft on those rebounds in, in a couple of series yeah. now. I, there's just no other way to describe it. But Jr. Smith goes and he gets the board. And then he immediately starts to dribble out beyond the three point line, like he's trying to clear it and then go back in a half court game. So then he goes out there, and immediately, you know, like, J.R. Smith is in dribble-it-out mode, try not to get fouled mode, we're going to go home Cleveland with a dub, game one victory for the Cavaliers. Except one small problem. Except they didn't have the lead, Nada. Yeah, like literally. (laughs) The thing is, and I'm watching this, he makes the great play to get the rebound because Kevin Durant falls asleep. He dribbles out there. And you see LeBron just gesturing, go to the basket, go to the basket. My God, what are you doing? You're ruining a 51-8-8 game for me. Like legitimately, I had no idea what that man was doing. And then he passes it off to Jeff Green like it's a grenade. Like, okay, Jeff, here, shoot the three, take us home. Right. And no. We go to overtime. That oh. photo is going to, it, it's iconic already. Twitter is running rampant with it, which is just fantastic. We were discussing off air. That is just amazing. Pretty much almost every single meme that's coming out using that photo, all fantastic stuff. Every single thing that is being, it is being used for on Twitter, it's all great, but it's accepted. It's not so great for J.R. Smith. It's not so great for Cavs fans because it's got to kill you looking at all that. Everyone has been clowning LeBron's teammates even Saturday Night Live had a whole sketch devoted to how bad his teammates have been for him this season and LeBron James goes out of his way after the Eastern Conference Finals to defend them to the public and this is how JR repays him with almost active sabotage I saw a tweet. what do you mean almost <laughs> I saw a tweet from Bill Barnwell that said I, I literally can't think an NFL guy by the way said I literally can't think 
of a better example of LeBron carrying his team than the picture of LeBron pointing to the basket and telling JR to shoot with them tied five seconds left with in regulation. Like, I can't think of a better picture to sum up the entire season, the entire postseason of what the Cleveland Cavaliers have gone. I'll tell you this right now, the Roomba point guard would have known time and situation. <laughs> Let me have. tell you that right now. 100%. And like the supporting cast, you mentioned the SNL the SNL skit that they had. It, it's, you know, the lines, like, it, it's almost like the SNL skit was a little too competent for what the actual supporting cast is able to do for LeBron. Like, you know that rolling the ball thing at the end of quarters that people do? I'm pretty good at that. Like, that's what the skit <laughs> I'm pretty decent at that. Like, I got, I'm 50 years old. My son, he plays for the Cavs, too. Like, it's it's hilarious to see all that stuff. And it comes to life. Like, J.R. Smith, I came in this morning doing the morning show, and I felt bad for him. And then I heard that quote, too, by the way. Then you hear the soundbite after the, after the game. So first of all, if you didn't see it, which you probably did, but if you didn't see it, you can see J.R. Smith mouth to LeBron, I thought we were ahead. It's, it's pretty clear. I don't know if anybody majored in lip reading, but it's pretty clear. It's that you can Even if you minored. Clear. Even if you minored. Even, right. even if you just took a class. Pass, fail. You can tell that J.R. Smith said, I thought we were ahead. And you could tell that he was demonstrative in doing it, that LeBron James angrily walks off to the other side. And then afterwards, he's asked about it, and J.R. comes up with some crazy lame excuse. And the what J.R. Smith says is that, I didn't think that we had the lead. I knew. I knew we were tied. I come up, I go out because KD was long. I didn't think I could get the shot over him. And if I really thought that we had the lead, why would I... Or why would I do that? I would have tried to get fouled, which, okay, the excuse there means, no, you wouldn't have JR because the smart thing to do is to run away. If you do have the lead, the smart thing to do is what you did in that scenario, right, is to run away from all the defenders and not get fouled so the time goes off. So even your excuse doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And can we take the Andy Pettit approach, please? Have we learned nothing in sports where the Andy Pettit approach is just to admit that you took the roids, to admit that you thought that you were up by one and just deal with it after after that and you will not get killed for it as much as you possibly would otherwise but now you're defending it you're saying that you knew the whole time a blatant lie and now it's going to be that much harder for you to deal with all right so this is what jr smith said after the game he said quote it was a tie ball game and we had a timeout i tried to get enough space because obviously (laughs) kd was standing right there obviously obviously I tried to get enough space to bring it out, maybe get a shot off, and then I looked over at Braun, and he looked like he was trying to call a timeout, so I stopped, and then the game was over. No, see, here's the thing. Here, here's where this <laughs> bugs me. Because even if you get the ball out and you know you have time, you're wide open, JR. Yeah. You could have shot that. Instead, you passed that grenade off to Jeff Green in the corner. And have okay. we seen JR pass up a see shot? You guys. <laughs> exactly. Have we seen J.R. Smith pass up a shot ever in his life when no. he was that wide open? No. So we're going to pass it up now? Obviously, KD was standing right there. Obviously. Obviously. But KD's not even in a position to I, challenge the layup even I, if you grab the rebound. There's some still shots of that where J.R. does get that rebound and... You can take a certain angle of that photo, and I believe Roger Sherman tweeted out this uh, for the ringer who had a couple of money tweets last night, but he tweeted this out, and there's a still shot of J.R. Smith with KD in front of him where he could easily take one dribble to his right and probably put a layup up. 
Like I get the whole argument about how, well, still, you don't know if that shot's going in. And very true, right? I mean, it's not 100% that the Cavaliers end up winning on that possession. And sure, 100%. You look at that still photo and you're like, man, it looks like J.R. Smith had a chance at a layup right there. But but are are we okay with all of these people on social media that are trying to let Jr. off the hook? They no. are basically both sidesing it. They are yes and or yes but. You know George Hill missed the free throw. Are we okay with that? Well, I I'm okay with it to an extent. I, I'm look you can't you can't defend what Jr. did. The problem with that is. Well, like George Hill, he choked on that second free throw. He went again. I, according Mark Jackson in the thirty for thirty with Reggie Miller versus the Knicks, he looked at John Starks and said, "John Starks wanted no part of those free throws." You could look at George Hill on that second attempt and say George Hill wanted no part of that free throw. Like at its apex, you could tell that basketball was not going to go in. So he choked on the line. He was an eighty percent free throw cho- shooter who choked. I'm cool with sharing some blame with him. Look, I don't think the ref should have gone to review it, but man, this falls on Jr. Like this, this falls on Jr. for not attempting a shot and dribbling the clock out because you, a professional NBA Finals basketball player, don't know how much time is left and don't know what the score is. Like more importantly, and I guess this is where I'm at. If we're gonna or do a hierarchy of who we blame, Jr. takes number one. He takes number one. George number two, Hill, number two, and number three. And, yes, and number three. And <laughs> See, then he does Wade, here to it's it's all Jr. Like. That's that's where I'm like I'm cool with him being number one. I'm good. Hey guys, he forgot the score. Okay, like that's where you're like, listen, listen. George Hill missed a free throw. Obviously, it was a clutch free throw, and he missed it. But he was attempting to win the game because he realized that the score was 107 to 107. I'm going to blame the guy who forgot the score. I don't. Do we know George Hill knew the score? I guess like he was just in a good situation. We don't know. I mean, George I hope Hill so knew. because if he thought that the game was over after. <laughs> miss that that second one i i guess <laughs> yeah, i mean we don't know for sure maybe it's just the whole supporting cast lebron has just lobotomized his entire team and he went to it's like on westworld he's playing like, with zombies yeah he's, it's like on westworld when they mess with the robots and this time he went too far and and made them all forget the score i mean think about it like this did you guys see the quote after after the game that lebron had he's like that's on me i need to let jr know what the score is and what the situation is <laughs> and to be quite fair if you're a grown man, you're 30, you've been in the league for 12 years, you have to know the game situation. You have to be aware because if you're not, then you know what? Go sit down next to SETI. If I have a pie chart of the of the of all the blame that needs to go around, and we're we're splitting it up in 10, right? Like J.R. Smith probably gets six. I'm exactly. That's exactly where I was gonna go. I'll probably give him six, and then I'll give I'll give the refs and George Hill split down the line. No, 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 no. You're not six, giving the refs any? Six, six, three, one. Okay. Six, six, JR, three, George I, Hill, I don't, the refs, one. I don't, and I, I know I get it because I, I hate coming in and, and killing the refs. Like I do for any kind of sporting event. I, I really hate that call, though. Like I, I really hate going to the monitor, reviewing that, changing it. Like I, I don't like changing that call in that situation, but I'm with you that it's only two or one. Like I, I don't want to get in between one and two but i'm with you that it's it's jr at six and then george hill and the refs can share any any part of what's left of that if i have a pie chart i'm drawing a minute hand and a second hand on it drawing a clock on it and showing it to jr smith and reminding him <laughs> can he tell is it all he, he can't only tell digital time though like he can't tell manual well time. we start we got to start small right. and then build up well he doesn't know that he can only tell digital time because I, lebron is lebron i'm telling you i like this theory uh, this theory that lebron james has lobotomized his entire team has taken uh so much of 
of, of their basketball agency away that they have now lost the ability to determine time and situation. I also, um, what do you guys think about this conspiracy theory that I put on Twitter last night, that all of the drama around game one is just to distract us from the Brian Colangelo situation. Or somebody or, in JR's ear about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. with you on that. We yeah. can see that. Um, we have breaking news. I have breaking news here. This is a tweet from our friend Martin Rickman. Stephen A. Smith just pronounced meme as Maymay on his radio show. Oh, God. We've had a couple of those, right? Like, we've had a couple of people say Maymays or Maymays before. And I forget who else did it, but there was somebody else. Was it Jim Nance? It was. It was Jim Nance who called it a meme. And every and and Twitter took that by storm as well. Yeah, one of my bosses, Martin Rickman, I would add too. So but, yeah, <laughs> but Stephen A has been part of memes. You can't be part of memes and then pronounce it. Yeah, I don't think Jim Nance. You what's can when part? you're forty. All right, so what's worse, J.R. Smith dribbling back out? It's J.R. and it, and it's not close. No, I, I I appreciate the the comparison. It we can't. I know I'm not going to kill Martin Rickman for that. Like even so, there's a list of people who were bailed out by J.R. Smith. Martin kill Rick, Stephen A for that. Mar, Martin Rickman is is at or excuse me, I, Martin Rickman. Yeah, don't people me, I, don't don't blame my boss. I, I, yeah, you have him in my mind. You're the one that I was brought giving him, in him my credit mind. for the tweet. I know. I apologize. <laughs> You're the one that put him in my mind. Stephen A. Smith, Martin. I apologize for the slander. This is all Stephen A. Smith. But Stephen A. Smith is on the bailout list here. But J.R. Smith is the one. Like he bails out George Hill. He bails out Kevin Durant because of the lack of effort. He bails out the refs a little bit here as well. Like there's a lot of people on the bailout list. Jordan Clarkson, add him to the bailout list, who was awful Ty last Lush. night. Ty Lu because he's playing Jordan Clarkson. JaVale McGee because a seven foot athletic dude looks like he forgot to basketball on that dunk. There's a lot of people on <laughs> yeah, the bailout list. Yeah, most Bates is relieved right now. <laughs> yeah, most Bates is absolutely relieved that JaVale McGee, a guy who is way more athletic and way more tall, forgot how to dunk. It was like, so bad. You had the ABC guys calling it Shackton. They yeah. were infringing on <laughs> TNT's copyright. Which, That's which, how bad that was. Which let us not forget, McGee has came out against Shaquille O'Neal because he's on Shackton so much. And then he does something like this again. Like, no one is helping themselves. J.R. Smith is not helping himself with this comment. Ty Lue's not helping himself playing Jordan Clarkson. And JaVale McGee not helping himself against Shackton a fool while he does Shaq the fool. This was the greatest, worst weirdest so finals weird. game that I have ever witnessed. It was fantastic. Yeah. Thank you, Warriors. Thank you, Cavaliers. <laughs> Thank you, J.R. Smith. Thank you, basketball. I, and we haven't we haven't even gotten to the altercation at the end. We, we, we need to move on, but there, it, it's amazing. Like, you, there's so many things to talk about with the ending of this game. Not even the game's entirety. Like, we're pretty much talking about this game, everything, pretty much 90% of it that happened with five, 4.7 seconds left on into overtime. Like, that's everything we're talking about. It's amazing. It's amazing what we saw last night. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community. For as little as $1 a month, you can help us keep making the Daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode. You can get double entries into our contest and access to content before anyone else. Patreon.com slash LOH. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in Charlotte. Hornets have a couple of workouts coming up, including a lottery pick and a Tar Heel. We'll we'll hit more on the NBA draft. On the other side of the break, we'll talk about it next on the pod. It's Walker Mail. It's not Edwards. It's Doug Branson. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. Main character for American Psycho was Patrick Bateman, which really confused me. I always thought that Jason Bateman was Patrick Bateman. 
and that Patrick Bateman was Jason Bateman. (laughs) It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. A big thanks to Philip Rossman Reich and the Locked On Magic podcast for allowing me to come on their podcast yesterday discussing Steve Clifford. We recorded it yesterday, playing today about Steve Clifford and his role, what to expect from Steve Clifford, who, of course, coached here five years in Charlotte and is the new head coach on a four-year deal with the Orlando Magic. So again, check it out if you missed an interview or just want to hear what uh, what I talked about with Steve Clifford and what they can expect down there in Orlando. Again, with Philip Rossman Reich, you can check out the Locked On Magic podcast. Again, that interview that I did with Philip. So we'll move on to the NBA draft. Intriguing draft this season because it is Mitch Kupchak's first draft with the Charlotte Hornets, and we all know the Hornets draft history. It's been awful. It, it's And maybe maybe... Awful is not the right word, but mediocre because it's been word me, mediocre is the word, but because it's been mediocre, that has also led to us feeling awful about it because you just can't hit on a star besides Kimba Walker. And as if you heard in the in the promos that we play, you know, it took them another chance after Bismack Biombo, right? Like it, they, they've hit on one guy and that's why Rich Cho does not have a job here anymore. So we all know about the draft history. So again, it's on June 21st. It's crazy that it's coming up so quickly, only three weeks away that the draft will be here. But again, we we got some time to talk about some prospects, and we'll be doing so here. Again, we're on three days a week, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So we'll, we'll be able to hit on a lot of these prospects. we got some workouts we'll get to later in the show. But just talking about the NBA draft as a whole and what to expect, the kind of questions that maybe should be answered when considering these kind of draft questions. Um, you know, first one I'll talk about is the new GM, right? It's Mitch yeah. Kupchak coming in. And how much faith you have in him. You know, you can look at the history with the LA Lakers. And I I think people have started to come around to it, right, as we've assessed Mitch Kupchak and the job he did as far as drafting goes with LA. Like it may have took taken a, a little bit longer for some of those high draft picks to start to mold into quite a decent player. But you're seeing that with Julius Randle, like a, a, a decent guy, yeah. like a kind of guy like I it would be fun to be on your team. Um, you know, Brandon Ingram, I, I still think that the ceiling is out there for him. I, I think Yeah, it's the silly. ceiling is very high. Sure. Um, so you draft both of those guys. I, I think Andrew Bynum was again a head case, sure, but again, we, we he's an All NBA selection at one point in his career, and that was a Mitch Kupchak guy. So you, you've seen some good draft picks from Mitch Kupchak. I, I think I'm cool on his talent evaluation. You should be. Like, here's the thing: he he got two guys that are playing in the finals right now. Yeah, in Clarkson, who hasn't played well for a winning team, but. Still very talented. Well, what, what what pick was he? He was a second round pick. He was right? a second round right. pick. Which okay, like if that's a second round pick, then then you're willing to live with that. If if he doesn't have eleven million dollars to his name, then I think you're liking that a little bit better. Yeah, exactly. But he played well enough to earn an eleven million dollar sure. contract. Right. The other thing is he got Larry Nance, and Larry Nance was at twenty seven. If you can discover these guys yeah. that have this hidden talent to it, now granted, does that mean he's probably going to need to acquire another pick? Probably, but. In terms of talent evaluation, I feel completely comfortable. I'm willing to at least give him this first one. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, I, I think when you look at it's, it's the thing that has duped Mitch Kupchak into, you know, again, that, that maybe caused his firing, that has a lot of concern with him. It's handing out a couple of the worst contracts in a year where everyone was handing out bad contracts. Again, summer 2016 hit and everyone got stupid crazy with all the money going around. But he does have two of probably the the top five worst contracts in the league in Timothy Moskov. Yeah, he and does. Dang. 
the one thing I would say is we, I think when we start talking about those two contracts, we underestimate how much Jim Buss had to had played a factor in those. And when you start talking about a guy that was looking to do anything to keep his shareholder stake from his sister Jeannie, he might he probably played a hand in. Okay, let's go get Dang. Let's go. Get, let's go get Mozgov. Let's go get these guys to make a late playoff push. Yeah, and then go from there. And, and that may be true. I have I have no clue. Like if that's the case, then sure that would make you feel a lot better as a Charlotte Hornet fan with this guy in charge. But if not. What's interesting about that is we all knew then that was a bad contract, yeah. right? Like even the bad contracts that have been handed out, like for instance, an, an Alan Crabb offer from the Nets, right? Which was stupid <laughs> money. Like you knew that wasn't good. You knew that was a lot, but okay, okay. Like that maybe Tyler there's something, Johnson. right? Tyler Johnson, same kind of thing where it's like, man, that's a lot of money. I wouldn't be doing that, but okay. Like a Kent Bazemore, all of those guys. They were bad, but at least you could see possibly a light at the end of the tunnel. Timothy Mozgov, as soon as that contract came out, you were scratching your head thinking, what the hell? Like, no, there's no way that guy's that. even worth amnesty, ca- amnesty casualty. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I think the interesting thing about Mitch Kupchak is that we have not seen a lot of draft history around the pick that the Hornets are going to have. We've seen, you know, his final few years in Los Angeles, they were in major rebuild mode, so he had a couple of top five picks. And then we've seen him pick a lot around the the, the latter half of of the first round and we just haven't seen him draft in this soft middle so does that mean that he'll look to try to get up a, a few picks to, to to get a significant draft pick or to move back down and try to get a steal I wonder how difficult it is to draft in this soft middle section this 11 to kind of 17 where it's a lot of guys who are just not good enough to be top 10 picks have some significant faults uh, but you know you sort of get locked into picking a few guys in that area yeah, the one thing I would say though is with like picks eight to like fourteen, you're not necessarily looking for stars. You're looking for quality reserve role players because you're not going to get a star most likely. The Paul Georges are few and far in between. Right, but what Mitch Kupchak has shown is he has an ability to find those same type of role players that you can pay significantly less if you draft at 27, at 25, than you do if you have to draft them at 11. Well, and, and the and the pick you're talking about, that's where you go to Andrew Bynum. Andrew Bynum was number 10, and he became an all-NBA center. And then again, we all know Andrew Bynum for kind of losing his head, being crazy, being in two remote-control cars, and, and losing bowling. his hair, and bowling, yes, and being a guy that was crazy and eventually immature enough to get himself out of the league, on top of some injuries, sure. But that was the Andrew Bynum that we've all come to know. But remember, once upon a time, the guy was a big contributor on a championship team that they got there in 09 and 2010. Like, that was a good pick from him at number 10. And it's crazy to think, like, Nada, you bring up the second round picks. Man, he's hitting. Like, you look at these Lakers that, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, Robert, I mean, he is. Like, Robert, he, he is. No, like, he's hitting. Robert Sacre, like, look. It's a second-round pick. What Second-round picks don't even make rosters on the NBA. So anytime you get somebody that actually has a decent little few-year career, like, okay, I, I don't know if you consider that a hit, but you consider it certainly not a bust. And you're getting guys like Jordan Farmar at 26 overall. You're getting guys like, uh, again, uh, Brian Cook at 24 overall, a guy that had a long NBA career. Uh, you're getting guys like Ronnie Turioff in the second round. Championship it's, contributors. Yeah, Sasha Vujicic, 27. Uh, you look at that. And sure, no, there's no name that I that I said that gets you crazy excited, but you're looking at also guys that were able to contribute on a championship team that was led by Kobe. And sure, Kobe was the guy, but you're looking at guys that actually stayed in the league being that late. It's impressive. It's an impressive run for Cupcheck. 
Listen, these were players uh, that knew time and situation. They knew how to read the clock. They knew. (laughs) I I would like to put them in that situation. Maybe 4.7 seconds left. Maybe we run all of the people in Charlotte's workouts through that exact same sequence and see if they're able to run it. Like, because that's a big thing. Like, if you're in 4.7 seconds left in regulation, you got to get a shot up. Here's all my Hornets anxiety, guys. When I watched that game, I thought if the Hornets were in a finals, that would be the type of game they would have a Cleveland Cavaliers type game where no, it, they it, just completely pooped the bed. No, in in that case, probably someone like Lamb just lets the like dribbles it out and loses the ball on the sideline. Something like that would happen. We saw, yeah, we saw our fair share in the past two seasons of late game shenanigans to end games, especially inbounds. Well, and they've been so bad, so bad. So one other question I want to get to real quick for the NBA draft, just to get your guys' take on it. Is there is there a a trade? Let's say whatever kind of trade. I'm not worried about the return on it. I'm not worried about what you guys think about a potential return. I'm worried about what you guys think on moving back. Like, is there a point where you're saying, you know what, I, I'm not moving past this point because I think this pick is just too valuable if indeed you're saying, you know, I'll give you this for a 20th. And I guess context is everything, and I get that. Like, if you're getting something crazy good, but is there a, a reasonable spot where you just don't really want to move past because you want to value that pick at, like, 17? I don't want to go past that spot. 13, honestly? Yeah. Like, so you want to stay in the lottery. Yeah, basically I, you just want to stay here. Wanna, I want to stay, stay in the lottery. Like literally, if there's a way to get 12 and 13 and move two move spots back and not lose Kemba, I would probably want to reload with a certain amount of young talent for Borrego to give him his guys per se. So I think 12-13, I don't want to go any further than that. More importantly, I think the I think the quality of talent drops after 13 significantly. Yeah, I think you have to start accumulating young players now. So I don't necessarily want to see them do the Marco Bellinelli yeah. situation where they just, you know, kick the pick and and acquire a player. Even though there might be a temptation to do that because of the cap situation that you're that were that the Hornets are in. You talked about the second round. I don't really expect them to keep that second round pick because th- they don't necessarily have the money uh, to to sign a lot of players. So. Uh, yeah, I, I just think they, they got to stay in the first round. So I'm okay, honestly, with them moving back, depending on what the return would be to, you know, 20, 25. Yeah, and, and in context is everything. So that's probably a, a poorly phrased question. But still, I just it was something for me, like I'm kind of with you, Nada. Like I, I don't want to move too far back. And it depends if there was a couple, then yes, it, it would be interesting to get a couple of picks that weren't too far back. But I agree also with you, Nada. Like, again, I'm, I'm agreeing with a lot of this, like, I do think that there is a talent drop off after you get past, you know, 13. That's I kind of like where Charlotte is this year. You know, I, I kind of like that 11th overall pick. Of course, you'd like to get higher, but I do think there is a talent pool to choose from once you get there at number 11. We'll, we'll take a listener question real quick. And if you guys want to tweet in questions, well, whatever podcast, uh, again, if you want to tweet in on a Monday, Wednesday or Friday, feel free to do so. Feel free to tweet at us and we'll try to get to it on the podcast. Patrick tweets in and his question is let me pull it up real quickly uh patrick says quote i'm becoming intrigued with the idea of lonnie walker on the hornets uh, what do you guys think about him so do you guys have any takes on lonnie walker i haven't seen much on him i do like him a little bit more than zaire smith if only for the height the height part of the aspect because if there's there's a height and there's a also a wingspan advantage for him compared to zaire smith well zaire's well let's say this though zaire smith's listed height is six five and lonnie's is six four but i think the the listed height for zaire was Which a little so bit. weird w- w- was yeah. was was very inflated he's six five in stilettos yeah exactly 
It was very inflated. The draft. <laughs> <laughs> you like that one, Doug? Yes. <laughs> you like the stilettos? I don't put, listen, I don't press those buttons. No, those yeah. buttons are completely unbiased. It's it's our, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah just okay. it. All right. Uh, no, I liked it fine. Yeah, I'm I, Lonnie Walker for me, you know, watching him a little bit in ACC basketball. Uh, dude's athletic. The dude has a, a chance to shoot. I, I like Lonnie Walker fine. I'll tell you this. My my memory instantly that comes to mind when you talk Lonnie Walker is it's the guy that missed the free throw that allowed Loyola Chicago to come back and hit a three in order for them to make that final four run. So like you that's can also you can you can thank Lonnie Walker for that. That's the mind. That's the thing that comes to my mind. But I'd be cool with him. Like if they pick eleven, I don't think I think it'd be pretty neutral. So, so what you're saying is he's a cake donut. Yeah, he's right. It's it, National yeah. Donut Day. Okay. He's a cake donut. He's a solid donut. <laughs> but he's not one of those that you would go pick first, like the original glaze or the jelly donut. It's one of those that like if you're offered a donut and you're just like it's a cake donut. It's like all right, sweet, yeah, I'll take one. But you're not free. going to the store for a cake donut. No, not, not absolutely not. I'm with you on that. So Lonnie Walker is a combo guard. He can't handle the the ball, but I think he likes to be off ball. So you'd be, you know, just sort of looking into the future, pairing him with Malik Monk, who I think also likes to be off ball yeah. over on ball. Uh, I want to read this from Posting and Toastings, Ashwith Ramnath, who I think put it best when he wrote that there's a lot to like about Lonnie Walker, but most of it is theoretical. You just look at his athleticism. You look at his, his, you know, the limited sample size you got on his ability to shoot and how quickly he attacks the basket. But the the stats aren't necessarily there. You would be drafting him on theory, which I think is perfect, guys, because he thinks the entire earth is theoretical. Lonnie Walker took Kyrie's flat earth theory even further at the draft combine when he was doing his interview and said that the entire world is an illusion. Nope, <laughs> nope, nope, no, no, no. I've immediately struck this man from the draft board. I want nothing to do with him. No, uh-uh. I, I can't deal with the Kyrie. He said the, he said he's going with this sort of the matrix theory that that we are all, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I, I'm sort of- We're binary code. Yeah, we're, uh, we're running in a simulation. We're a figment of his imagination. This is literally Lonnie Walker's brain, and we're all just being a part of it. Like, this is just, or just somebody else's brain. This is a dream that we're all living in. Well, and, well, in J.R. Smith, uh, his case, it's a nightmare. It is a nightmare. Yeah. It is a absolute nightmare. It is the worst day for J.R. Smith. I saw Beaumont Jones tweet out the other day that you had a worse day than Drake did. Like, today, you had a worse day than J.R. Smith did. You know, in the last yeah. 24 hours, you've you had, had a better day. Yeah. You've, you've had a better day than what J.R. Smith is, which is not a whole lot of days that you can say that about that particular dude. Like, J.R. Smith knows how to have fun, and you have not had many better days than J.R. Smith in your life. Today's one of them. Today is absolutely one of them. All right, more on the Hornets workouts next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Stick around, and we'll talk about the guys coming in to practice at the Spectrum Center. It's Walker Mail, not Edwards. Doug Branson here on the Locked on Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. We don't want that Pacers talk here. you got to respect the satchel. We don't want that Cavs talk. <laughs> what you got, Doug? I have the entirety Turn this satchel's a little loud today. <laughs> Be quiet, satchel. No, we're ba- it's a club banging in here. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. Breaking Malik Monk I'm news. Excited every time I hear it. Locked On Hornets keeping you updated on everything <laughs> going on with Malik Monk in this offseason. This is on Instagram. Dwight Howard. Posting his 
it's it's kind of a comedy video for a movie, a promotion for the Equalizer. Uh, it's it's Dwight being Dwight, kind of being goofy, being a ham, hamming it up. And Malik Monk comments, "MF fool is what I see." Thank you, Doug. That is a sick burn. burn. That is. Thank you for the update, Doug. We appreciate it. Yeah, please that, keep that, us updated video, on everything. That, that, that video wasn't good. That video wasn't good. Y'all hit. I, I didn't mind it. Like that's just Dwight, man. He's just having fun. I mean, I don't. I love Dwight. Some of those videos that you saw during when you were in the arena and you saw what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Dude, he he's he is really just cr- like straight up goofy. Like yeah. Dwight, that that is him. Like it's funny. I I'd been around him, you know, a couple times this season, and there was a couple of of one on ones that I was able to get with him. And Dwight's just a goofy dude. Like I remember he had the team Snapchat on one time. He's just going around, and that that's genuinely Dwight. Like what you see on the in media, like that's just the kind of dude he is. Like what you see when you're watching him. At least at least that's been my experience. And now he very well again, it's not like I'm hanging out with the dude at his house, but at least within he's he's got that kind of act anytime that I was around him. Uh, okay. So that makes that makes a little So you're different. saying so you're saying he's different. Yeah. Like, you're saying that he's different. He, he's that. built a little bit different than everybody else. Who's working out for the Charlotte Hornets? <laughs> you want to get on that? Uh who's working out for the Charlotte Hornets? Thank you, Doug, for keeping us back on track. Jalen Adams he comes in and he's going to work out for the Charlotte Hornets. Angel Delgado, the center for Seton Hall. James Demery, Jock Landell, Isaiah Wilkins, Kenrick Williams. And I saved a couple of the better ones for last. Theo Pinson, North Carolina. Four-year starter for them, or four-year player, I should say, for them instead. And Mikael Bridges. Mikael Bridges is probably the guy that is most notable here. He will be a lottery pick, a redshirt junior, I believe, coming out of Villanova. And he averaged 18 points a game, shot very well from beyond the three-point line this season, a third-team All-American, long, probably labeled as that 3-and-D guy that can come in and contribute right away. Uh, that's been all the write-up on Mikael, and I think it would be a fantastic pick. I love Mikael Bridges. Uh, you do have the question about him being able to do it on his own like if it's just a team guy a good team guy or if it's an an alpha dog that you put out there but I do love the skill set and we'll see we'll see for ourselves when he comes here to Charlotte the one thing about Mikhail Bridges I do like is that he comes with two immediate skill sets three-point shooting and defense the big thing that I worry about with him is what's the ceiling is the ceiling necessarily a guy like James Posey or is it a guy like Chris Middleton that came in carried a team Against long for long stretches against Boston. If that Chris Middleton ceiling is there, then that's a great pick. But if not, and you're getting a James Posey guy, how valuable is that to a team like this right now? But right now, the only way that the Charlotte Hornets get Mikel Bridges at 11 is if a couple of teams above the Hornets decide that A, he isn't the right fit for the team, or B, he is destined to be a role player and won't have that potential, that's how he falls to the Hornets. And the Hornets just have to hope that that does happen and that they get lucky and he does break out and, and becomes more than a role player. And I think you have to look at Mikhail Bridges. And again, you you have to see that he does bring a couple of immediate skill sets and that would be useful. Like he would be useful for a basketball team. I think the thing here is that it comes down to whether you think he has the star potential, right? Like that's what we're discussing. Yeah. And it's probably just me, at least in my opinion. I do think he's got a ceiling. I do think that it is a guy that can come in and be more than just the the two skill sets that immediately 
immediately contribute right away. I think there is a ceiling for him to grow into. I think you look at the athleticism. You know, when you look at Lonnie Walker, right? We were talking about the three theoretical yeah. evaluation. I think in theory, Mikhail Bridges is long as hell. He's crazy athletic too, and I do see some of that Chris Middleton jab step face uh, face yeah. up game where he's able to hit some mid range jump shots. Like I can see that with Mikhail. So I I give him a little bit more of a ceiling than I think a lot of people do. And under, understand that people like him, but understand also that maybe they are worried about his ceiling. I, I believe so, so, I believe so, in it. So, again, we'll boil it down for you. Is he – what kind of donut is he? Is he a jelly donut? <laughs> is he a glazed donut? Uh, I, I'll tell you what he is. He's the, he's the custard donut because sometimes you get a custard donut and they don't really feel – they don't really fill it all the way. And you just get a little bit of custard and it's like right at the end because it kind of just drips down to the end of the donut. Like, oh man, this wasn't a great experience. But then sometimes they really fill it with custard, like the immediate first bite. And it's like, bam, custard. I see that. That's a good explanation. I like that one. I liken that to Muhammad Bamba Bamba too. And here's why. I think I, I give Bamba a custard donut too. Because also when you have the filling of the custard in a donut, it's also maybe they just put it all in crazy in one area. Mm-hmm. Like you just have a blast of custard in this right. area custard and blast. nothing and nothing in the other one. Like maybe that's what you have with Bamba defensively and zero offensive game possibly on the other yeah. side of the donut. Like custard, Mahabad custard. I can yeah, see yeah, that. Exactly. But here, here's, the, here's the important thing to remember, though, about the custard donut is that either way – you're still getting delicious custard. And I think that's the important thing to remember with Mikel Bridges is that even if he maxes out to be a a good role player, he provides skills that the Hornets desperately need in terms of two-way play and athleticism. Like that's the kind of player, regardless of potential to become a star, that they need to build towards in the future. No, he's he's good, man. Agreed, agreed. There's a Courtney Lee factor to that. And again, this team hasn't been good and been 48 playoff game winning good since Courtney Lee. They haven't been custard good. No, they haven't. <laughs> that's that's what we're all just trying to get to in life. Like, if I can get custard good, then you know you've made it. Do you have a favorite donut? Which favorite donut? I'm going to be honest with you. My favorite donut is just a classic old... This is not going to be a surprise. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> it's yeah, a classic old-fashioned cake donut. Listening to your train. Just dip that into coffee. Yeah, <laughs> dip that into black, plain coffee. No creamer, no sugar. <laughs> listening to a train album. <laughs> right. Oh, man, you just... No, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Watching Meet the Press on Sunday. Oh, yeah. You just... Dog. Whew. Doug, got that is all, cool. I worry got all, for got you. me all hot and bothered. <laughs> yeah, that is, got me feeling custardy. That is cool. That, that is, is a cool. cool custard kind of dude watching Meet the Press, listening to some train in the background. Maybe you put it on Woo! when the commercials are about. That is great, Doug. What's your favorite donut, Nada? Do you have one? Um, it's got to be the jelly donut, and it's got to be that apple-filled jelly donut where it's literally you got the little bit of powder, a little bit of cinnamon sugar on it, and it, again, you fill it with a little bit of that apple preserve to it. Tastes so good. That's perfect. Not be, and I'm not even going to assign any meaning to the flavors. I'm just going to say how particular Nada was about <laughs> that donut, and that's what perfectly describes it him was, and his donut. It was a perfectly described opinion on the best donut. I'm a chocolate guy. Speaking of yeah. custard, chocolate custard filled. I'm down with that. Like it's a oh, lot the of Boston sugar. Cream was, the Boston cream was Boston cream so is good. good. Boston so cream good. is damn good. By the way, real quickly, I always remember anytime we're talking about donuts, I always remember the Keenan and Kel episode where Kel or Keenan they <laughs> invent the donut, the peanut butter and jelly filled donut. I always would have wanted to try that. They're, they actually make some of them. They make peanut butter and jelly filled donuts. They make them. They did they steal that from Keenan and Kel? 
Yeah, they, I believe so. They use the squeeze bottle jelly too. Let me uh, tell you. Well, as long as it's grape. If it's grape squeeze bottle filled jelly, give me that donut. Walker, get long. out of the projects. <laughs> get. I, I try to help you here. I've gotten hated on for this, and I don't know. As why. you should. Pre Malone, what is it? Panthers Mafia. Second shout out on the show. I think he kind of backed me up on that too. Uh, speaking of Pre Malone, how about Post Malone? Look right. at this picture of Thank Frank you. Kaminsky on Twitter. I'm going to recuse myself. Yeah, okay. Nada's just about to Nada's, hop out of Nada's going to recuse himself. He's this done. says, a Post Malone Snapchat filter came out, so I braided my hair to embody White Iverson. You know what's funny about this picture of Frank <laughs> with the braided hair? I thought the braided hair was part of the Snapchat filter when I first looked at it. I didn't realize that he had actually braided his hair. Because there are like other little graphics on his face. That's the filter. That's the Post Malone filter. By the way, no idea who Post Malone is. But I thought that he, I thought that was part of the filter. And then I looked later and was like, no, he actually put cornrows in his hair. Oh my God. Yeah. And poorly done, right? I mean, poorly. Are we going to need nada poorly done. Where is his friends? <laughs> Where are his friends? Where are his friends? Like, literally, do your friends love you, Frank? Yeah. Because if your friends love you, they love you, hanging out with Frank. It, like, like, how do your friends be, not say, yo, look, that may not be the best look. Jeremy Lin caught hell for what he did with his hair he while he was here. <laughs> Don't go down the same route. Go Again, where are your friends, Frank? All right, worst, worst look. Frank Kaminsky, White Iverson, Stephen A. Smith, May May, or J.R. Smith. It's still J.R. Smith in the <laughs> landslide. <laughs> I, I appreciate your effort. <laughs> I appreciate your effort. It's got to be Jr. You can't do that in the NBA Finals. But Frank Kaminsky trying. We got to find a worse look. He's trying. All right. I, so so Jr. has the crown over the next few weeks. Right. We need to find a worse look. The worse look crown than, than Jr. Smith. All right. right now he. I holds mean it. Brian Colangelo is up there. Colangelo is. Well, up we there. don't know yet. Mm. Allegedly. Well, it, it, it's yeah, it's not him. It looks like right. Like we think it's his wife now. We think the wife. And is it really? It's the butler with the candlestick. <laughs> yeah. in the library. Even if it's his, here's the thing though. Even if it's his wife. It's still a bad look because oh, that means no you're coming home and revealing all the secrets for your wife to go behind your back and tweet this or pro- probably not even behind your back. Because remember, I forgot who it was, Ben Dietrich, yes. sa- saying essentially that he only told them about two. So at some point you were caught in the lie, Brian. Yeah, that's the smoking gun. Brian just picks up the phone immediately. Honey, shut it down. <laughs> yeah. Shut it down. I mean, I get, you know, it's funny, like we joke about that. I imagine something pretty close to that happened. As soon as they get the call, you're calling. You're, I mean, because how does he not know? Like, he, There's no way he doesn't know if it is his wife that she doesn't have three burner accounts out there trying to defend the family name. I mean, there's just no way. Like the only way this gets even better is if it's like literally out, out comes a hood. And it's Jerry Colangelo pulls the hood back and says, it was me all along, Silver. <laughs> me all along. We need a worse look crown. We need to find somebody worse than J.R. Smith. So if you want to help us out again, tweet us at Lockdown Hornets. Thanks for listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Lockdown Hornets. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. We'll be back with you on Monday. Thanks again. Okay. See you guys.